Okay, if you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 15 today, continuing our study of the book of Proverbs and walking the path that God has laid out for us. I have a theory that I want to see if you agree with me about this morning. I believe that one of the most difficult things in life is to know what you don't know. You see this a lot in people that are pursuing different careers um, or learning a new skill is they come in all gung-ho and then they learn that there's a whole lot to doing this particular skill or job that they want to do and they almost get discouraged because they didn't realize what they didn't know. I always thought that driving a semi, for example, would be a fairly easy job until somebody started to show me everything you have to check on a semi, how to tie stuff down, how to park, how to drive it, and everything else. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, that's a lot more than I ever thought it would be. And I think that's true about most things in life. An example from my own life, the first time I ever showed up to a Christian Bible study, Tammy and I got saved and jumped right into the church culture that existed in the 1990s. Now, in the 1990s, Kenosha at least, at least in the city, you really weren't saved unless you carried around the 10-pound Bible. In the $70 wraparound zipper thing, with the last 10 bulletins from the church stuffed in there. It was just, it was almost like a fashion statement to walk into your large church with, hold, you know, practically having your Bible on a handcart because it was just so much stuff stuffed into it. It was just, it was just this weird phenomenon that we went through. And it like, had to be life application Bible, so that's what the pastor was going to read from, it had to be an IV. And it was just, just this kind of weird thing that existed, in, at least in Kenosha, at that time. And I remember going to my first Bible study with my brand new Bible and my $70 case, walking into that place and having the same exact book everybody else did, and I felt like I was kind of part of the crowd. And then the pastor said, okay, well, today we're going to be studying um, from 1 Corinthians. I said, okay, let's see. Genesis, um, Exodus, um, Leviticus, that doesn't sound, uh, oh, oh, wait, here's something that says C, oh, that's Chronicles, okay, um, and so I'm sitting there, I'm just flipping, and flipping, and flipping, and flipping, and flipping, and flipping, never occurred to me to look in the front of the table contents, but I'm just flipping through, and finally somebody took mercy on me, and, and had the same exact Bible I did, because life application, NIV, page 1358, oh, okay, got to 1 Corinthians where he, they were. And I discovered that simply asking for help is probably what I should have done instead of being prideful and trying to find it myself. And after a few years of being a Christian, I ran into something similar. God called me to the ministry I've always been really good at remembering what the Bible says, but not necessarily the chapter and verse of where it says it. And this is back before the internet where you can just ask your phone or say like part of the verse and it'll pop it up for you. You had to like flip through your Bible forever to find it. That is, 
until I mentioned it to my pastor how hard it was for me to find stuff in the Bible. And he walked over to his very wall-to-ceiling, impressive bookcase with a whole bunch of thick books gathering dust and walked over there and he just pulled out Strong's Concordance and he introduced it to me. A guy in the 1800s took every single word in the Bible, every major word, not the these and and all that, but um, took every major word in the Bible, categorized it, and put every single place where it says it in the Bible. Called Strong's Concordance in the King James. And he introduced me to that. I'm like, well, this makes it really easy. If I remember one word in it, I could find it pretty quickly then. But how could I have known that unless somebody told me about it? You probably had a few of these episodes in your life just like this, where you haven't known something and somebody had to show you about it. You probably really remember this if you were a parent. I remember when Haley was born, first child, holding her in my arms, the nurse telling us everything we need to do with this child when we get home. And I remember there's just so much information, everything she's telling me. I'm holding this little itty-bitty baby in my arms, and she's talking so much she turns into Charlie Brown's mom. Remember from the Peanuts commercials? Charlie Brown's mom always like, and that's kind of what it was. It was like, I'm looking at this, this, this baby, and I'm going, they're going to let me take this home? They're going to trust me with this? Are they crazy? Don't they know who I am? But she was able to tell us many of the, of the different things that we would have to do for this child. And fortunately, of course, we had parents and a few older friends or people, or people our age who had already had children that got us through those first few weeks. Another example for some of us, they reported to boot camp. You think you're all ready? You think you're all prepared when you get there? You've, you've been doing your push-ups, your sit-ups. You've been doing some running before you get there. And then you get there and you find out you don't know anything. And the army is so nice to us. They give us a person who constantly reminds us about that all the way through basic training. Very lovingly comes alongside you and tells you exactly how worthless you are and how they are going to make you into a soldier. Aren't they nice? They are just so kind that way. Yes, I'm being sarcastic. In all these cases, someone came alongside and helped us get to where we needed to be. And over the last few weeks, we've learned some simple formulas from getting to where we are to where we want to be and walking the path that God has for us. We learned that direction determines destination. That means getting from point A to point B and that involves more than hopes and dreams. It involves a path. It involves a wanting to be on that path. We also learn that life is a series of mid-course corrections. That when we see danger, it wouldn't be prudent to ignore it. We want to take refuge, avoid the danger, and change course if we have to. We learned one of the most common mistakes is learning uh, and determining which fork of which, or excuse me, we learned that one of the most common mistakes in determining which fork for us to take in the road sometimes is trusting our hearts and not in the objective truth found in the word of God. Because often our hearts will lie to us. And today I want to add to our learning about walking the path that God has had for us 
in learning this lesson that has to do with figuring out what you don't know. So how do we do that? How do we discover what we don't know? Especially when it comes to avoiding many of the traps that come with walking on this path that God has for us. I mean, there are potholes, there are exits that we don't want to take. There are pitfalls, landmines even, that we never see coming. But fortunately, Solomon, the author of Proverbs, has given us some insight here. When he wrote in Proverbs 15:22, he said that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you today and we admit, Father, that we often stumble on the path of life because we're too proud to ask for help. We're too proud sometimes to say, I, I need some counsel. I need some advice from people who have walked the same path we have. So Father, just humble us this morning. Help us to see that you have given us ways to make life easier. And that is to simply say, I don't know. I need some advice. I need some counsel. I need some help. Place that in our hearts today, Father. I ask this in your name. Amen. So we don't know what we don't know. We then ask, well, how then do we learn what we don't know? And one of the ways we do is we seek advice from advisors. Specifically, you seek the right advice from the right advisors. But what keeps us from doing what the Bible is telling us is the right thing to do? What keeps us from wanting to seek out people to help us in this thing we call life? So why don't we seek advice? Well, number one, we think we already know what we need to know. That comes generally from ignorance, refusing to, to learn something new. Number two, it feels better to have people think that we know where we're going and what we're doing than to let them know we don't have a clue, and that's pride. How many mistakes in life have you done because of that? You didn't want to admit that you didn't know. Number three, it's too much work to figure out how to get advice. In other words, we're lazy. The Bible calls this slothfulness, which is a word we don't use very often, but if you've ever seen a sloth, you would understand exactly what it means. All it does is hang off of a tree for most of the day. So sometimes we make plans without counsel, and those often fail, or at least wind up being less effective than they could have been. At other times we get counsel, and sometimes it's the wrong counsel. It's inferior counsel, because we take it from the wrong people. So why don't we seek advice from wise counselors? Well, sometimes it's just a comfort thing. It's easier to get advice from our friends. You may not want to call up an elder in the church. You may not want to seek out a senior person at your job. You may not want to, to ask maybe your parents even what they think. It's just easier to talk to your friends. Well, guess what? Many of your friends, especially those in your peer group or roughly your age level, they're having the same problems you are, and they don't want to admit that they don't know either. Because it's just easier to kind of follow what everybody else is doing. Or you try to copy what your parents did. But your parents lived in a completely different time. 
I mean, even the time that I wrote that Tammy and I raised Haley and Cassie is completely different than it is today. It's only 20 years ago. Would you say the world has changed a lot in 20 years? The country has changed a lot in 20 years. The culture has changed a lot in 20 years. So how do we get this good advice to help us along our path and walking with God? And what's the secret to good counsel and where do we find this? Well, Solomon says in Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Wise people listen to counsel and they get wiser. Discerning people listen to guidance and get further along their path. No one ever gets to a place where he or she no longer needs wise counsel. You'll never get there on this earth. I was listening to a comedian the other day who said that as he was coming up, he was playing a lot of small lounges and restaurants and different things like that. And he was um, doing his act in a small lounge on the East Coast when President and Mrs. Bush came in. This is after they were out of office. And, Miss, and he heard as they came in, Mrs. Bush leaned over to, the pre, to President Bush and asked what kind of sandwich he wanted to order. And President Bush said, I'm not sure. And the comedian said, at that point, I got to be a presidential advisor. When I told him, pastrami on rye, hold the mail, best sandwich in the place. I got to now be a presidential advisor. Even presidents need advisors. Most presidents fail or succeed based on the level and the quality of the advisors that they have. And the first secret to getting good counsel is to be open to it. Wise people listen and add to their learning. We will always need good counsel. That is the first secret to getting good counsel. The second is asking more than one person's advice. Proverbs 11.14 says, For lack of guidance a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Notice the word that Solomon inserts before advisors in this proverb. He said many. Not one, but many advisors. The most important decisions of our lives seem to have a sense of urgency to them. They're so important they dominate our thinking. They're with us all the time. Have you ever had an important decision that you spend days just mulling over and thinking the positive, negatives? Some people like making lists where they're like, okay, the, this is the positive over here, this is the negative. Whichever list is longer, that's the way I'm going to go. Even when I was trying to uh, figure out if moving up here was the right thing for me, I sought the counsel of many different people. Some of them weren't even Christians. People who really knew me at work. People who really saw me on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, even some people who I knew were atheists and, and thought the whole religious thing was crazy. I asked their opinion because I was just curious. But you know what all of them said? They thought it was a good move. Every single one of them. Many advisors make victory sure. 
When the decision is important, ask more than one person for advice. Even if they're your enemy or they're not a Christian, sometimes they can open up a perspective you may never have thought of. Doesn't mean you have to follow what they say, but put it, take it in, into consideration. Number three, not letting pride keep you from admitting what you don't know. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride breed, only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Pride be, may be the number one enemy of finding, of choosing, and of staying on God's path for you. It's almost always pride. Successful people are open to the fact that they don't know everything they need to know and are quick to go to people who do. One of the people who taught me the most in leadership in my life, he was actually an atheist, he was a manager of the call center. The, the manager who hired me got fired, and they brought this guy in and he, because he was an expert in organizational leadership and taught me so much about leadership. Is Every week we would have a meeting, and he would ask us, what are you seeing? What are you seeing on the floor? What are you seeing are big, biggest three things that we need to improve on? What are you seeing? How are we going to fix this? He, he wasn't a leader that would just say, this is what I see, this is how we're going to fix it, make it happen. He would always get our input on it, and he would actually say, you know, when you have many people speaking, you get all the information and you can make the right decision. In other words, he was following a biblical principle, being an atheist, and didn't even realize it. Successful people are open to the fact that they don't know everything that they need to know, and they're quick to go to people who do. Solomon describes this in terms of the path in Proverbs 12, 15, when he says that the way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. See what he's saying? He's calling it the way of the fool, the person who refuses counsel, the people who says, I know everything, I don't need to, to have your input. So a friend comes and says, I'm worried about the direction you're heading. These are just some examples. The fool says, you don't need to worry about me. I'm doing fine. But a wise man says, really? I'm grateful that you're care. Let's, let's sit down and tell me what you're seeing. Tell me where I might need to, to make a course correction here. Maybe a dad comes to a son and says, I'm worried about some of the habits you're developing, son. The foolish son would say, leave me alone, dad. Foolish son becomes a prodigal and runs away from home. The wise son says, well, dad, okay, tell me what you're seeing. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm getting a little too out of hand here. A mom comes to her daughter and says, honey, I think your behavior could get you in trouble someday. The foolish daughter would say, mom, you're just so old-fashioned. The wise daughter would say, Tell me what you think. Tell me what you're seeing. A supervisor comes to an employee and says, I know it's none of my business, but can I give you some advice? The foolish employee says, well, it's none of your business. As you said, stay out of my business. A wise employee says, hey, I don't know everything. I need all the advice and counsel I can get. The Bible, of course, has the ex most excellent illustration on this point. 
It's a story of a young king named Rehoboam. And his story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 10. Rehoboam was a son of King Solomon, the wisest man who has ever lived. And Rehoboam was chosen to succeed him as king. Now Rehoboam has just been appointed. He's sitting in the throne room. And the first people that come to him are, are representatives of the people, the common folk. They said, you know, Solomon has a great kingdom, but he did it on the backs of our labor. We're tired. The taxes are way too high. He is working us literally to death to make this nation great. We need a break, so can you just back off the taxes? Can you back off the forced labor a little bit so that we can have a life too? Well, Rehoboam goes to two different counselors, and he tells them in verse 5, He's, Rehoboam answered them, well, come back to me in three days. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. And he asked them, how would you advise me to answer these people? They replied, if you would be kind to these people and please them and give them a favorable answer, they will forever always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men he had grown up with and were serving him. And he asked them, what's your advice? Should we answer these people who say, lighten the yoke your father put on us? And the young men who, who had grown up with him said, tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid upon you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Boy, does that sound like good advice, right? How to win friends and influence people. Not. It was a big mistake. Rehoboam followed the wrong advice, the advice of his friends. And it split a united kingdom. The superpower of the Middle East of that time was broken in half and eventually led to this people's destruction over the next couple hundred years. But Rehoboam did make initially three very smart decisions. Number one, he asked for time to decide what to do. A fast decision is usually not going to be the right one. If this is a major life-changing decision you need to make, take some time. If time is not is crunching in on you very strongly, then make no decision. He was wise enough to know that this was not the time for the rush decision. The second thing he did was to seek advice in making the decision. He chose to listen before he decided. And the third thing he did was he listened to many counselors, not just one, and not even just one group. Unfortunately, he chose badly. Rehoboam fell into the trap of he didn't actually want advice. He wanted confirmation of a decision he had already made. And that is an incredibly dangerous trap we get into, is we only listen to the people who will just say, yeah, we agree with you all the time. Never mind that the elders of the people were older 
They were wiser. They were more learned. Never mind, they had already walked this path with the previous king. They knew all the pitfalls. They knew all the landmines. They knew all the dangers along this path that the king wanted to walk down. Never mind all that. Rehoboam only wanted confirmation into where he wanted to go. Just somebody to agree with him and make him feel good about his choices. That's a story, that is a lesson of Rehoboam's entire life, which the Bible records for us as a cautionary tale. And that brings this lesson to the fourth point. Taking counsel from those who have already been where you wanted to go. Rehoboam wanted to walk a certain path of his kingdom being even more prosperous and being more famous than that of his father's. But again, he rejected the counsel of the men who had helped his father get it to where it was and refused to follow the advice of those who had already walked that path. And that's what the secret of getting good counsel is first knowing you need it and then seeking it from multiple reliable sources and truly listening to those sources to learn that even, or what you didn't know, even know what you didn't know. I didn't write that very well. <laughs> is that secret to making that good decision is knowing what you don't know and then seeking out those who do know. From people that we respect, from people who have arrived where we want to go with their character and their reputations intact. There's a real difference between the right road and the easy road. The easy road usually is never the right road. The easy road doesn't seek counsel, or it ignores the counsel it gets. The wise man or wise woman seeks counsel from wise people, listens to it, heeds it, and walks a path that leads them where they want to go. Imagine for a minute, if you look backward in your life, if you had heeded advice from wise people in every major decision you made, how different your life may be today. Parents, imagine what we would learn, what heartaches we could have saved our children if we counseled and ask the advice of successful and seasoned parents. Employees, imagine the steps you could save if you sought advice from people of character and success in your field and asking for guidance once in a while. It really wouldn't be that hard. You know, early in my Christian walk, somehow, I'm not sure quite how this happened, I got invited to go to breakfast every week on Tuesday morning in Zion, to hang out with a bunch of seasoned Christian men. And not only were these seasoned Christian men, they were also, most of them, either high executives in their, in their companies they worked for or business owners. So they were successful Christians, had been Christians all their life, and they were successful businessmen. And you had me, the 24-year-old high school dropout, who just got out of the Army. It was, it was just such an odd thing. All these guys were in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and you had me. But you know what? I was blessed to be invited there and simply listen and watch them grow. 
I learned a lot about living life, a life of integrity, of consistency, from all the godly men that I got to sit there and watch, and even how they sought out the counsel of the other men about decisions they had to make. It was an incredible time for me. And I remember there was so much in me just being young, stupid, and, and naive that I wanted to put my two cents in. But I just had made the decision not to say a lot when I was there, but just to listen. And sometimes somebody would bring an issue to the group. Said, I, man, I, I just don't know what to do. You know, something with my company, I could go this way, I could go that way. The problem is if I make the wrong decision, it's going to trash a company. I don't know which way to go. And somebody would bring like this big kind of issue to the group. And you'd expect somebody to pipe up right away with the right answer, but they never did. They would sit there for a while and think, sip their coffee, nod. You could see a couple men bow their heads to pray for wisdom. And then somebody would speak, and you would know it was God's will at that point. You see, I was brought up under the idea that asking for help is a sign of weakness. You don't ask other people for help. You figure it out on your own. What I learned from these men is that in the presence of many counselors, there is safety. And that's something that we need in our lives. And some of us wonder why our plans fail. But honestly, our plans fail because we sabotage them by not seeking counsel. God's word says that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Again, in Proverbs 15, 22. So in closing, my counsel for us is to continue listening to this series. There's a lot of good stuff in here. We're growing in wisdom every week. If you haven't been here, go back and listen to it online. I promise I'll get the sermons there this afternoon. I fell behind a little bit with that for the first time since I've been here. But I'll have them up. And number two, finish the book of Proverbs. Hopefully you're reading a chapter a day. Hopefully you get into that habit. But it's not a very long read. You could read the, chap the whole book of Proverbs in under 30 minutes. Make a commitment to finish the book and let God show you wisdom. Number three, ask God to show you, to so ask God to show you the counselors he has for you. Maybe me, it may not be me. Maybe somebody sitting across the aisle in front or in back of you. But there's a lot of people in this church that have a lot of wisdom and can help you make the right decisions. You know, it's very interesting that while Jesus was on the earth, the phrase he used more often than any other was, follow me. That's a directional statement. It's saying, follow me, watch me, take counsel from me, walk behind me, walk the path I'm walking. Come with me, he says. Jesus says, come, all you who are weak and burdened, and I will give you rest. For the yoke I will place upon you on the road we walk together is easy, and the burden that I give you will seem light. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and as you follow me, you will find rest for your soul.